0: Hello and welcome to a special presentation from In The Money Media. This is our pick six show for Gulfstream Park's Fountain of Youth Day. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Formatow, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. Happy to be joined by two guests who are guys that I always want to talk to before betting Gulfstream Park. We'll get to them in a minute. but want you to know that the show is sponsored by our friends at ExpressBet. Express bet, one of the leaders in handicapping contests. And there's a big one this weekend. The ultimate betting challenge is happening. You can play online. You can play at GoldStream. We have no official word on this, but maybe breaking news. Santa Anita did not draw as scheduled for Saturday tonight. That highly suggests that that card may be moved. Nothing official yet. If that happens, if that card's moved by sort of the way the rules are written, The ultimate betting challenge will then be Gulfstream Park only. I don't know. Some Obviously, some California players could be very disappointed by that idea. But I'll tell you what. If you're sort of a Gulfstream-centric player, maybe that works to your advantage. Maybe this is an edge you can get in preparing for the UBC. Again, that will be made official later. If they didn't draw today, I don't see how they're running that card as scheduled on Saturday, just using a little bit of common sense. No inside information there. Anyway, Ultimate Betting Challenge. Learn about more on the Express Bet website, expressbet.com slash contest. I think there's even still a, a qualifier tomorrow. There is a qualifier tomorrow at ExpressBet. If you're listening to this early Friday, late Thursday, if you're one of the, the many people I see joining us live, hello to the live people. And uh, make sure you get involved, expressbet.com slash contest. Incredible day of racing down at Gulfstream Park. Um, We are going to go through this pick six. If you have questions, drop them in the chat. We'll try to answer. If you're watching this on the replay, hello to all of you watching on the replay. Leave us your picks in the comments. Tell us what we got right, what we got wrong, and uh, maybe give us your best bet of the day. Always good. We've been doing a lot more interactive with the people in the comments. Now it's time to introduce our panel, if I can figure out how to make the, uh, this thing work, and I just did. The man up here on the same level as me, I'm going to move it around just because I like to be, I, I, my ego requires me to be front and center, but we'll start with the man in uh, what is my top left corner of the screen you see him on the Gulfstream Park simulcast feed he does a phenomenal job knowing the ins and outs of all these Florida horses he's got the institutional knowledge I've known him for a minute we used to work together at a newspaper at Saratoga called the Saratoga Special he is Brian Natto Brian how are things
1: hey Pete great to have you Nick good to see you as well Uh, things are good how could they not be right South Florida monster weekend Coming up on Saturday, 14 races. The Fountain of Youth ends the day with a bang, and uh, it's exciting. We've got a heck of a group down here. I know the Risen Star was, you know, they the, kind of the clubhouse leader for the, the three-year-old race so far, but I don't think we're taking a back seat on Saturday. So there's a lot to look forward to, no doubt about it.
0: It's going to be fun for sure. There are other guests, a man who's been on the airwaves with me a lot. You know him for the fine work he does behind the mic at Sam Houston. You might have seen him uh, uh, doing some uh, tips on social media. You've also read his work over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Another man who I know knows the ins and outs of Florida racing in a way where I can't help but learn something. Every time I talk to him about uh, Gulfstream or racing in general, he, of course, is Nick Tamaro. Nick, what's up, my man?
2: I'm doing great, my friend. You're much too kind. I suppose most people would say he knows the outs more than the ins and outs of what goes on. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I've am i been known to have a punt or two in South Florida.
0: Let's start off, boys, with the first race of this pick six. There's actually stakes racing. There's great racing. Interesting maidens. Take a look at this whole card. Maybe we'll even put something together, um, Nick, on the plus side for something earlier on this card uh, because there is so much stuff. That's our, our bonus service that folks can subscribe to to get digest of the picks from all the free shows as well as some extra content in the slash plus. We got to do something for this special weekend for that. But Nick, we'll start you off by asking you about this ninth race on the card, the grade two Devona Dale for these three-year-old fillies. Who's your idea of the winner?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, look, I wish I had something a bit more clever, but um, obviously the market is going to be dominated by Just FYI and Leslie's Rose, and Just FYI, of course, needs no introduction to just about everyone having last been seen winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, and I thought she really did so impressively. I know the time didn't come back all that great, but, you know, my time as a speed figure maker taught me that you want to be careful with a three-year-old, two-year-old Philly, I should say going long for the first time, especially overcoming some type of adversity. And she really dealt with a crazy pace in there. I mean, that was a pace that more or less broke Tamara in half. Um, Jody's Pride came back and ran very well in there and now is actually slated to run on Saturday as well up in New York. So we'll see how she performs. But I thought just FYI would probably be a little too much for them when push comes to shove, mainly because she's capable of taking back and sitting off the pace. And there is a lot of committed speed in here. I think there's a, a pretty decent chance we're going to see this pace heat up. I think Junior has some options as far as the opening furlongs go. I guess my clever idea of a long shot horse would be the five who could ask for Moe. But I do fear that this horse is just going to be the really sexy, intriguing off the pace horse in a race where, uh the expectation is a fast early tempo she's going to be coming from off bit of she's run well if you're a pace figure aficionado against the grain of the race in three straight starts and not much not so much in her debut but in two two turn races at tampa she's overcome slow paces both times i mean she might be sitting back there farther back than she's ever been but just start licking her chops about the half mile pole and say, man, they're flying in front of me. So she was sort of my other idea. I'm a little skeptical on Leslie's Rose. I'll tell you this much. If you're a thorough player, Leslie's Rose is an absolute standout. I mean, she got a four and a five in her first two starts. Um, I should say a five and a four, uh, but also had basically nothing go wrong. Right. She got involved in slow paces both times and parlayed those into to pretty uh, solid wins, including a win over Gunsong, who came back impressively. I just think at this point, with the expected forward move with uh, just FYI, I think she'll be a little too much.
0: Sounds like a three, five of the numbers I want to write down for those aforementioned notes uh, from you, Nick. Does that sound about right? Any other? Uh, yeah, yeah Nick, three, five, two is my
2: number. number.
0: Gotcha. Three, five, and two for Nick, uh, but definitely preference for the top two. Brian, let's bring you in to get your thoughts on the Devona Dale
1: yeah i didn't have a lot clever uh pete and and i kind of was with nick until on leslie's rose and then i i thought leslie's rose had to work a little too hard to beat Gunsong, and then Gunsong came back and absolutely decimated a field and a nice chad brown horse like she is going places so uh nick said it perfectly too if you are a sheets guy i mean leslie's rose i i I had a beer bet with somebody I, i i made just FYI seven to five and Leslie's Rose eight to five. Guys, I wouldn't shock me at all if Leslie's Rose is, is favored in this race. She's fast. And I was I, Nick brings up a really valid point about two year old figures and, and, and Phillies stretching out and stuff. I was kind of taken aback at how quote unquote slow just FYI um, is and and or was. And now, she, you know, this is not as we all know. Bill Mott s- said it himself. Let's get started here. We're aiming for the Kentucky Oaks or aiming for the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Uh, So if you're going to beat a champion, we all know this is, you know, theoretically the spot to do it. And I think Leslie's Rose, you know, probably needs this race a little more just to prove that she can play with uh, a a, a Philly like this. So I have a tepid call to her. I thought the gap was pretty sizable to the rest of them into champagne's good. That would be my one funky kind of clever horse. She's kind of like what Nick mentioned uh, as well with chug horse, who could ask her Mo into champagne is another one who should be able to sit back a little bit. She was good winning the glitter woman in the slop. She didn't have a clear go of it. She had to wait. And it was once Julian Leperu got the seam, you know, the race was over. Is she good enough to to beat two Phillies that I think we'd probably both agree are, are, are pretty talented individuals? I don't know, but that would be my, you know, Nick threw out who could ask Ramo. That would be my kind of funky horse, but I don't know if she can beat both of them, you know, and that's, she, she might need both of them to stub their toes a little bit.
0: Maybe one to mix in, though, in the vertical exotics, I hear you, and you never have to twist my arm too hard on a name that I'm pretty sure is a Rupert Holmes hunch play. From the classic escape, the Pina Colossal song. I'm assuming that's where it comes from. The the classic line, "I am into champagne," and he gets very animated. Anyway, um, I think it's very straightforward. The thing I really like about just FYI is I totally hear the point on the on the, the the final figure that Brian was making. But when a horse in theory, when a horse who's a closer in theory has enough early gas to to make the top. Uh, at least according to the time form us algorithm i just the, I, I see a perfect trip unfolding and i'm going to be very uncreative here and if if you get seven to five eight to five uh, I i would be comfortable wading in the waters with just fyi to to let's move it along to the 10th race on the program um And we'll get some more thoughts on this loaded card in the form of – and let me tell you, let me ask you, Brian, if they make you say on TV, if you call this race the very one or the, the very one, because – my understanding of grammar, it should be the, the very one grade three action for these Phillies and mares going a mile and three ace on the turf. But, but start off with how you're going to pronounce this, how you're going to say the name of this race on TV, and then give us your thoughts.
1: I never thought about it, to be honest with you, but I'm pretty sure I'm just going to say the very one, but I guess, I guess on a technicality, you are right. The, the very one. I don't know. Now I'm going to be all distraught. I don't know. <laughs> Who wins the thing? Boy, that's a good question. I think the tactical speed of Sister luann has got to play in here. Um, you look at some of these horses, Cairo Concert, Al Cali Kim's somewhat tactical, but you know, this turf course, weather looks great, by the way, guys. That's pretty cool. Um, this turf course, we all know it. I don't have to tell you or the guests or the you know people watching, it's going to play to speed. And Sister luann has got the tactical speed to get first run on a bunch of these gals and uh, I'm not quite quite so sure we haven't seen the best of her yet so she's a tepid nod but I do kind of feel like since we're you know we're pick six in and exotic in here this seems a little spready to me um Cairo Consorts the the, the question horse because I'm not so sure she's improved from three to four she might be one of those fillies that never really bridges the gap from three from two to three to three to four let alone I know she kind of has a big figure out of the the Pegasus. She didn't do any running in that race whatsoever. I mean, you look at the running line of a sister, Luann, who if nothing else was at least up there chasing a pace that held together pretty nicely. Um, So I'm I'm much more tilted towards Cairo consort. And I think R. Kelly Kim, I don't want to say she got exposed last time, Uh, I don't think she might have had a trip that some people will will think. I thought she had the length of the stretch to come through and didn't want to do it. Now she cuts back. So I like Sister Luann in this spot.
0: That would be my pick as well. What did you end up making Sister Luann on the morning line, Brian? They're not they're not quite in yet. You know, that damn side pedigree and that pace advantage made me want to want to go that way. What price do you think we're yeah, getting?
1: Yeah, I got her at five to two and Cairo at three. I know Cairo consorts, Todd and in Irad, but Sister Luann, Safi and Ken Ramsey. And you know, Ken might bet 30 grand on her himself, so I don't know. So <laughs> it was it was kind of tough. I actually went back and looked at it before we came on. I had initially had Cairo Consort favored and I swapped them. I know they were both big numbers in the Pegasus and Sister Luanne was, was a really big one, but that, that's, that's where I tilted.
0: Five, seven and 10. Is that, is that how you, uh, am I, am I summing that up correctly? Yeah, nothing too, nothing too, too clever. I, I want to say
1: before I just throw it to Nick, I think the nine angel Nadashiko was interesting. First time Safi, on the turf off a of slow win at, at Santa Anita, but uh, he's had her for a bit now and it's got something to work with here. She's got some speed.
0: We'll throw her in the mix as well. My con- question about Cairo consort w- was about the distance as much as um, anything else. Nick, what do you think about her specifically her ability to go this far and what are your general thoughts on this? Uh, uh, now I don't know whether to call it the very one or the, the very one either, but I'll go with my first gut on the, the very one.
2: Yeah, the, the very one would be mine as well. Um, so there, you know, there's a couple of horses in here, one of whom I've sort of always been against and now I'm warming up to, which means it's probably doomsday for her. And that's our Callie Kim, who, you know, I, I've, I've been against in pretty much every recent start. Um, including the second place finish in La Proveillon. I didn't get her at all in the Long Island. Um, I think I made her way too big a price on the morning line at Keeneland in October, which, of course, most people would say that's nothing new. So um, and she was victorious it's at, at almost, you know, just over seven to five. Um, I think she is the fit. I think what you're getting with her is the certainty that the distance is really right up her alley, whereas everybody else is a question mark at 11 plus furlongs. And, and so I don't want to gamble on Cairo consort at a small price. I don't also want to assume that, that uh, sister Luann is going to go this far and take, you know, and I think Brian priced them exactly right. I, I just don't want to, I don't want to bet on that. I'd rather bet on our Kelly Kim at a bit better price. I did think that she ran effectively last time out being much closer to the pace which I thought was an important fact as, factor as well. Um, I also thought Miss Yearwood was dangerous in here, and I think her form might be the the sufficiently dirtied up with the bad Via Borghese, and that was on the synthetic, so I don't want to hold it against her at all. I picked this race 1085. 8 5 um, I would be against Cairo Consort. She, nothing about her really screams to me, oh, this Philly's going to get significantly better at, at a longer distance, and you're just going to have to swallow too short a price for my liking.
0: It's a fair point about R. Kelly, Kim, and the distance. I was just wondering if the, uh, the, the pace... It was what gave me confidence that, you know, the, the pace on the damn side was what made me think Sister Land would be okay going this far. But at the prices, I don't blame you at all for trying to uh, maybe get a little bit cute with the likes of mixing Miss Yearwood in there as well. Race 11 is the Gulfstream Park Mile, grade two action going a mile on the dirt. and uh, A bunch of familiar names turning up in this spot, including... Uh, Winner on Pegg's Day making the return to the races. Uh, Tumbarumba, not Chumba as I had to explain to somebody. Tumbarumba. Nick, who gets the money in the Gulfstream Park mile?
2: Yeah, you want to talk about pace. I mean, there is no pace in here whatsoever. And and that's going to be a huge factor. I mean, that's going to be the determining factor, in my opinion, when push comes to shove. And I think Rumba is in a really advantageous position, being that uh, that he's comfortable being forwardly placed. And he was sort of the last man standing in the Fred Hooper last time out and still got the job done in really what was a, a big-time performance. Um, so I, I, I envision him being tough to beat in here. I picked him. I didn't have any reason to have any qualms about picking him? Um, I, I did think Castle Chaos, who he beat last time out, could come back and be very dangerous as well. He doesn't have to be that far off of it. The rail was not really the greatest result for him because you know, generally at Gulfstream, you want to work your way off the inside. But, um, if we're getting towards this pick six sequence and you have reason to believe that there's no disadvantage whatsoever to being inside, then I think you might want to treat him as a, a pretty prominent player. And my other horse that I would include in, in more on the bottom end is some of the exotics, is Il Miracolo who I feel like is, is finally getting kind of a, uh, you know, he's like an a dog down to B so to speak. And and, and, then to go back to greyhound terms, he's been running against top-notch horses and admittedly meets a a significantly weaker field. I mean, this is a horse that has been running in nothing but grade one and grade two races and legitimate grade one and grade two races going all the way back to last summer. So I could see him running a, a better race. I didn't really think he got the best go of it last out in the Pegasus being a little too close to a really hot pace. So, uh, five one four for me. I would definitely bump up the five a couple times extra.
0: I will uh, just chime in with my thoughts here because they're so darn similar. I thought. Hey, P, might...
2: Let me cut you off one quick second,
1: then. Please. Castle chaos ninety nine percent going up to New York. So. Oh, okay.
0: okay. Cross entered and, and potentially traveling. Well, that would leave our numbers exactly the same then, Nick. Um, I'll I'll put a. I'll put a little asterisk in the notes because I thought that this could be a two-speed number, five and four. I put the four Il, Il Miracolo on top, thinking maybe with the inside draw and a, and a clever ride, could get out of there and, and get into the get into the right spot. But, yeah, Rumba super sharp right back coming out of that common race was another one I wanted on my tickets. How about you, Brian? Can we bring in, uh, bring in some new numbers here? I got Nick having it five, one, four, but probably five, four in the end, and then uh, me, four, five. Where do you sit?
1: Yeah, it's really tough to disagree or go with against anything Nick said, because uh, I think probably Tumbarumba is the best horse. And he also Nick pointed it, painted it perfectly. He's the best horse with the best scenario in the race. I mean, if Louie wants to go, he could set the pace. If somebody, you know, ticking wants to run off again, um, then he'll just sit right off him. He's going to get first run. Um you know, and then conversely, not only does he have a, a an edge, but a horse like Steel Sunshine, I like a lot, but he just always runs out of room; he can't get there. Um, how does it hit Il Miracolo? You know, on the cutback from a lot of nine for a long races, to be sharp for him um, as well. And I can't believe Wit is still somehow. Wit's only run thirteen times, and he's only five years old, but uh, <laughs> this is just a, a get going point for him, right? And he turned kind of sort of into a turf horse uh last year so it's just tough we're all like to try to beat favorites and all that kind of good stuff i don't really think this is a spot to try to do it so uh eight to five on tumba rumba and that that's you know i don't know maybe it's the free square that that's a little bold but maybe this is a race where you can be tight and try to get some chaos maybe before maybe after
0: I hear it. Do you want to name check any other numbers beyond the five Tumbo-Rumbo, or is this really a you know a lone A type situation? And and that's I'll have all a
1: happens. B on Steel Sunshine because I do respect him in the late run. And maybe the lack of pace maybe allows him to be a little closer, you know, mm-hmm. because he ab- abso- absolutely got blitzed last time. And I do think I, I agree with what Nick said. Here um, miracolo is miracle or whatever. Uh he you know, he's interesting. He finally does get some class relief and He keeps on keeping on, so maybe he's got one of these in his future as well, but I I don't think they're A's, Pete, that's for sure.
0: Good thoughts there. We move on to race number 12, the grade 3 Canadian going a mile and a 16th on the turf this time around. Brian, we'll keep it with you. Well, this
1: is my one, like, super clever thing here. I, 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 Boy, there's no speed in this race, is there, right? and I don't know if Saratoga Flash is any good. The only number he's got was at Kentucky Downs, and I don't even know if that counts, really, but Boy, he's got to go from down there, and I think he can control the, the pace. I, I I don't really see. He might catch some horses like an Emmanuel at the right time. Um, there's some closers in here. I'm going to just take a deep breath and, and hope he guts it out, uh, at which should be a pretty darn inviting price as well. Got to respect Emmanuel, but does he need the race? Last year he came into this race, which he won with a prep behind him, so could he be a little short today? Um, a tone ran absolutely nobody's talked about it. A tone ran huge in the Pegasus. I have no idea how or why. He looked absolutely dreadful in the in the optional claimer prior to it, but you know he we know he likes it here. Um the one horse that I'm not gonna pick because I am gonna pick Saratoga Flash. Doesn't Turf King for Chad just look a little sneaky in here chad ran second in the pegasus with i'm um, a uh, turf i'm um, with i'm um, very busy who i'm not going to say they're the same horse but they were kind of on paper slow what are you doing in here you're overmatched and you give chad a spot and this horse hasn't run since july and maybe we get a bigger stronger tougher version of turf king i'm going to have him as an a for sure this this is a race where. Um, I I think we probably all agree we we
0: can get a little off the wall here maybe. One and four on the A line, three and six on the B line. Is that does that represent? Your yeah,
1: I, yeah, and I do respect. I don't the the, the flow of the race is an ideal. I like Siege of Boston as well, but not not a not as
0: an A. Gotcha. We'll throw that one in on the backup line. Nick, how about you? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I you know, I I do get the temptation with Saratoga Flash for sure, because it does look like he can be in a really advantageous spot pace-wise. I mean, Emmanuel is versatile enough to be forward, I think. So he doesn't have to give up terribly much ground. Same with smoking tea. Um, the good thing about smoking tea is it feels like he's been able to be positioned just about anywhere by Johnny. And I do think, you know, that that sort of ideal Johnny V first over stalking trip is is a, a real possibility. So I think he's got uh, he's got that you know maybe that club in his bag so to speak. I did think there were some interesting off the pace horses. I do fear that they might be up against it a little bit in terms of race flow. Siege of Boston was kind of the biggest one to me. I thought his Tampa Bay was probably a better race than it looks on paper. And we've seen Running B and Never Explained both show glimpses of being really solid horses. He's now second off the layoff. He's run effectively on multiple occasions uh, around two turns without Lasix, et cetera, et cetera. So I think he sort of checks every box in that respect. And I think he'll end up getting the right kind of trip as long as there's a little bit of pace in front of him. Um, But I mean, again, the fear, of course, as Brian alluded to is that Saratoga flashes loose, I guess in sort of a crazy way, giant game kind of holds the key to this race because he really is the horse that you could see putting the most pressure on Saratoga flash early. And, um, and that, you know, could really set things up for somebody to come from a little bit off of it. So I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to probably pick smoke and tea. You know, I would say that my numbers are going to include some combination of two, three and five on the top line. I don't want to be totally against the tone. I think he had enough trouble in the Pegasus to be given some consideration and maybe he's just kind of a South Florida wonderkin. I I can't explain why he didn't run well on numerous occasions last year, but really has now put forth his best, uh, best efforts
0: in South Florida for a couple of years. He was the one I picked and it's almost like just a trainer play at this point. Honestly, when you see, you know, the maker, uh, the maker success in, 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 in turf really everywhere. And this horse's affinity for, for Florida as well. I, I had the six on top, the three as an A. Too likely to ignore Saratoga Flash. I had in the mix as the pace play, and uh, and I think the case on Smoking Tea is a strong one, and this horse could really trip out under under Johnny in this spot. And this is another situation where I feel like in uh, this meet in the last few years we've seen the the McGehee runners overperform. So very spready for me: six and three on the A line, one and two on the B line. Nick, I wrote you down just two, three, five as A's. Do you want to do you want to throw in some B's? Six. Throw that six in as a B for uh, the maker factor there as we finish our chat about the Canadian. And we go on to race 13, which is the honey fox, Phillies and mares, four and up a mile on the turf. And uh, this was a race I thought had an abundance of pace. And I was eyeing a closer. Do you think I have that general idea right Nick? And who is going to get the money?
2: I agree. I do think you want somebody from off the pace here. This was my kind of clever horse for the sequence. I, I, I'm I'm going to pick the Eight Mohawk Trail for Kelsey Danner, who I think needs to to quicken up a little bit, um, needs to develop a bit from three to four, but at the same time showed some ability last year, albeit against weaker horses on a number of occasions. Uh, but when we last saw her, she had a wide trip going six and a half at Kentucky Downs, which really isn't her ideal distance. I think she wants to go a little bit farther. I do think she might prefer a one-turn configuration, but the two turns might not be too much for her to <laughs> overcome. And uh, and she's going to be a decent enough price for me to take that plunge. So I picked her on top. Um, I, I think the logicals in here are Chili Flag and Walkathon. I, I strongly prefer Chili Flag, though, of the two just because I think Walkathon is a little dressed up off a very soft trip at Tampa last time out. The thing that I keep coming back to though with Walkathon is that early in her career, she really hinted at having some serious ability and the fact that she's now looking like she's maybe putting it together is, um, is, is something of significance. So I want to, I want to give her an opportunity to just maybe be that good horse that we always kind of thought she might be. And, um, and so I, I, I included her chili flag. I thought ran very well, um, in, in the Pegasus uh, Philly turf, even though it, the running line, I thought her performance or the running line belies her performance in that, you know, there wasn't a lot of ground made up in there other than surprisingly. So I kind of wanted to give Chili flag another opportunity. She si- seems like kind of a deserving
0: favorite. We're becoming a little redundant on this show, Nick, and I'll, I'll chime in again. Chili Flag, I did think looked the best on on figures and form, and maybe projected to get the best trip as well, taking advantage of that speed. But I also saw the case for Mohawk Trail and had uh, had some number eights in there, a horse I thought was decidedly against the flow when last seen at Kentucky Downs, and I like the I like the way David Egan's been riding. Um, and, and I think he'll suit her well, very curious, Brian, to get your, uh, not just your thoughts on the race, but also curious what you did with the morning line in terms of chili flag and and Mohawk trail.
1: Yeah, I had chili flag at nine to five. I just, I feel like, I feel like when you look at this race, there's, uh, maybe some horses that are going to get bet, but you know, they're going to hammer chili flag. You see the Pegasus, it's Chad, it's Irad, Mike Dub and all that stuff. So. You know she's nine to five. I, I I think I have Mohawk at twenty. I mean it's, these aren't final, and I have a hell of a lot of respect for, for Nick's opinion. I think he did say it. She looks a little slow, but you know that was at that was at three, and she's a lot more mature now. Um, I want to pick up on what Nick said with Walkathon because boy, didn't she really get a soft trip at Tampa? Um, so I was a little a little against her. Uh, Be My Sunshine did check late. She was certainly never going to win the race. But, you know, she's Safi and Ken Ramsey, and she's three for four here. Um, I didn't have anything clever in this race. The one horse I do want to throw out, I thought Candy Light was a little interesting. Because Safi got her last time from Grand Motion off the layoff, and she perked up, winning, albeit on the Tapita she's got some pretty okay turf races, second off the layoff, second time with Safi. she certainly looked like she's working up a storm, um, and she's another one of those horses, as you guys alluded to, and I agree with, but the profile of this race is a little off the pace, so I, I was looking for some some horses, you know, I, I'm not saying it's going to melt down, but I think we all agree that we want some horses that are going to have the ability to come from off of it a little bit. Um, and I think that could, you know, make candy light from a nice post as well, at least, you know, at a square number in here. I think she's interesting.
0: Yeah, that is very interesting. So if I were to ask you to give your formal picks, Brian, how are you, how are you leaning? Yeah, it's
1: going to be tough to beat Chili flag right now. I'm, I'm, I'm six, two, three, uh, five. I thought, I thought, um, Ancient Peace was interesting, too. The post is just so problematic to be way out there. When you go a mile on this turf course and you're out there, it's it's a real, real difficult assignment.
0: Maybe one to mention as like a deeper backup yeah. or did you ultimately decide against? Okay, no, we'll I'm going to use
1: one. her on a, on a fringe ticket because, like I said, I do think the beauty of this sequence, we all kind of thought Tumbarumba could maybe be a, 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 a single. Then you can get to horses like that, you know, and I, I think that's the good part of it.
0: Absolutely. Take instruction. So much the key. And of course, just as we're talking about this pick six sequence, you know, we fully encourage folks, especially depending on what your budgetary limits are, um, and your risk tolerance, you know, nothing wrong with, uh, Focusing in on a double within the sequence, or even even the old pick one. Just uh, find the winner with some of these horses we're talking about that might be interesting prices, as opposed to you know putting it all on in the more lottery style of uh, of a bet like uh, like the pick six. Let's go to the race that gives the day its name, the Fountain of Youth. And the first question we have to ask ourselves is who's going to turn up here? Because Speedy Cross entered in an allowance race on friday and just a huge factor in the race not just because on figures and the talent flash would be a contender uh, i would have to say at the very least if he turns up here but also as he affects the pace so brian we're going to let you do this race first but give us your educated guess first and foremost will we see speakeasy in the fountain Uh
1: you know what uh, it's uh, as we do this obviously live on wednesday night I, I have no idea to be quite honest with you um to me, if you just handicap that part of it, I, I kind of feel like he will run because then if he doesn't run, then all your chips are in whatever final prep race. And we'd love to hope it's the Florida Derby. But whatever final prep race uh, Todd Pletcher chooses, you know, he darn well better, what, at least run second. So um, I I, I kind of feel like he's going to show up on Saturday. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, if he does, then, then the entire – complexion of the race. Let's just assume he's he's in this race, but it looks hellacious up front, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. There would be pace pressure, though I would think he'd prove the best of speed. I guess I'll ask it both ways. Who's your pick if he's in the race? Who's your pick if he's not in the race?
1: If oh, if he's not in the race, I, I can't believe it, but I think I'm going to pick Victory Avenue. You guys, we, we have to remember, everybody that, that you guys know this, and most people do, this is short stretch finish line race, guys. This is not a this is closer to a sprint almost for my money. And I, I, people who watch me, I say it all the time you get to that far turn, the finish line's right in front of you. And, and if, if Speakeasy's out of this race, uh, Victory Avenue is going to be hell to pay in here because he is so fast. I don't really, I don't want to say I don't buy that race with Speakeasy and Victory Avenue, but what I want to say is that was race two on the Pegasus card. The next dirt race did not occur until race nine, so that race is way out there on an island. But I think we all agree that that Victory Avenue is very, very fast. And if Speakeasy's out, then then um, then he's trouble. But I do think if they're both in, I I I kind of feel like Door going to be going to be tough in here.
0: Uh, Dornick certainly one of the one of the main contenders, uh, a horse that was uh, very impressive in rallying in the Rems in a race whose form has been has been franked um, so far, uh, most recently by Sierra Leone the other week. Though I can't, and I know people disagree about this, but I, I felt like Dornick, and this is my only not not to make any attempt to talk you off, Brian, but I did think maybe that was a little bit better and more game than it looked. In that, I think he might have been where you wanted to be. Oh, uh, of course. Track. And it might it might have carried him home a little bit. So um, we'll I'll ask you, we'll do a little bit, we'll do an extra round on this race. I'll ask you guys some more uh, questions as we go through. But Nick, we'll, we'll start with you with the big question of uh, speakeasy's participation. Do you see it? Do you not see it? And uh, who's your pick in the race in each scenario, if he's in or if he's out?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have no line on where Todd's going to go. Um, obviously, as, as Brian alluded to, he's putting a pretty massive premium on Speakeasy's ability to win a final prep in order to get to the Derby because he's going to need to be presumably at least second in one in order to get there. Um, so he is putting himself in a bit of a risky position. Todd's done this before. He did something similar with Always Dreaming seven years ago and ran him in an allowance race before he tried him in the Florida Derby. Um, It does seem like the contingent of horses in South Florida this year are better. Todd also specifically could potentially have two marquee Derby horses in South Florida headed towards the final round of preps. Um, I I wouldn't pick him either. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to pick him if he's not in the race, but I wouldn't pick him if he was. Um, I'm on Locked here either way. I I still have a lot of respect for Locked, and I'm very intrigued to see if he's going to take a step forward in here and you know and what he might have to offer um in, in looking at this race and in starting to handicap it i not only realized and, and i tweeted this the other night that locked was favored in the breeders cup juvenile which i did not realize i was sitting there and, and just assumed that prince of monaco or somebody else was favored uh, but it was locked he actually ran a lot better than i thought there was no setup whatsoever he really came with a strong late bid he's got a little bit of that Pletcher profile to him, right? I mean, he wants to, to sort of get outside and make his final bid. He doesn't really seem to, to want things to go against him in a way. Um, I did think he was more mature in there than he was in the, in the breeder's maturity. I thought he took a clear step forward. I don't love that his training was interrupted for this race. And I do fear a little bit that maybe we could be dealing with some adversity there, but you know, in Todd, I trust in that respect, if he's in the gate, I would imagine he's going to be ready to fire a very big shot. And, um, and it's, you know, it becomes an intriguing matchup. Obviously, if Speakeasy's in
0: there, it feels like that has to help Locked. No doubt about it. Pace The way I'd put it is, if is in the race, I love Locked. If Speakeasy isn't in the race, I like Locked. And you could take it, and we talked about this off-air, Nick, that maybe it's a vote of no confidence in a way in Locked if Speakeasy's in there. But the other way of looking at it is, the, they're gonna they're both gonna be in South Florida. Like they both need, they both need points. So even if they run one two, like maybe it's not as much. Maybe we're getting to a point where there's few enough prep races left where you could say, well, they're, they're each running so we can sort of figure out exactly where he is with them. And, and maybe it's not so bad. I, I I don't know. I throw up my hands. At the end of the day, I'm going to pick Locke. I think you made a key point, Nick, that's been sort of a little bit underrated in terms of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. I'm, I'm not saying there was some massive bias on Breeders' Cup Friday because there, there weren't that many dirt races. It's kind of hard to tell but it was interesting like racing flow had it very notable that not as much well I'll put it is that not as much closing happened as you would have expected. I think, especially in the juvenile itself, you can make a case that Locke was against the flow and I've seen people dismiss him as, Oh, he was this well-beaten third. Well, if, if fierceness was totally with the flow and he was totally against the flow, like the distance between them probably isn't as great as that. I know, you know, fierceness unfortunately threw up on himself in his return to the races but we all agree that was a fast race whose form has been franked by others in this race I think Locke deserves his position on the top 10 right now that we have him on the Eric DeCoster top 10 over at inthemoneypodcast.com and I think he'll justify that position on Saturday I'm with him let's go for another round of questions in this race and, and talk about maybe either an angle to bet it or an interesting horse to mix in there or take as a potential alternative? Should there be some sort of boil over? I mean, Victory Avenue I think qualifies uh, for that, that Brian already threw out that, but but I'll start with you, Nick. If if this horse gets turned over, well, let's put it this way. Who's the interesting long shot to either potentially turn over locked if he doesn't fire or maybe to to put in underneath. And that could be two different horses uh, depending on your opinion.
2: Yeah. I mean, you, you're inclined to say maybe the interesting underneath horse is real macho who um, was up in time to win an allowance race last out. I don't really love this barn in a Lasix off situation, but um, I do think this horse kind of has the right profile for for mm-hmm. this type of race. It looks like they're going to go quick in front of him. Dancing Groom is another who I could see maybe clunking up for third. These are horses that, you know, that kind of have a chance in an extreme pace scenario. It would be almost unfathomable to think that a trifecta combo could have Locked on top, and one of those three, one of those two, rather underneath him, maybe third. Um, that's going to be a nearly total collapse race. That's going to require Speakeasy being in it. Uh, they felt like maybe the horses that could slide in for a little bit underneath. I think, I think from a betting perspective, you're probably trying. If you have a negative opinion, if you have Brian's opinion, you're probably trying to beat Locked in the exacta. And if you have my opinion, you're probably trying to beat Dornock. So um, Dornock is a he wins I lose horse in this race. Um, I just you know a, a, as a rule. And, and I hate applying steadfast rules to handicapping. It's a quick way to lose money, but um, <laughs> I can't bet horses off of gold rail trips like his last time, even as much as, uh, as it looked like he maybe came back along the inside. I think he was significantly aided by a, a very strong track profile in there. And um, quite honestly, I think the, the horse that makes the Remsen a little bit of an eyebrow raise is domestic product because domestic product came back and ran significantly better in the Holy bull where he had an inside trip again, but he had an inside trip in the Rems and, and didn't run well at all. The fact that Drumroll Please and Sierra Leone ran well is no surprise. Drumroll Please took the worst of it from a from a uh, track profile perspective. He was wide the entire way. Sierra Leone was inside, angled out, produced a big run, and then ultimately, you know, kind of got a little goofy late and pulled himself up, maybe hung, and Knock um, and was able to come back. Um, you know, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. I also don't trust Danny Gargan with a horse that needs to move forward from year to year. I mean, we saw this last year with WHNL. Um, I think Dornock is definitely a better horse. He's a more seasoned horse, but, um, I'm just going to make him prove it to me. And and I think you can take a stand with horses like that at two to one or five to two that you wouldn't want to, if they were going to be six or eight to one and offer real value.
0: You always give extra credit to people who've done it before. I mean, it's no knock on uh, you know Danny Gargan. It's it's just it's easier to to trust it when you when you've seen it um year in year out and and you know that's maybe a positive too for uh for, for the forerunner you mentioned uh victory avenue and there was so much hype on this i said forerunner it's a three runner isn't it yeah three runner victory avenue who there was so much hype on ahead of that debut and, and you know we saw um gustavo delgado use this race last year as a jumping off point or that race i should say as a jumping off point to derby success brian you've already mentioned an interesting long shot angle in terms of victory avenue um what are you thinking in terms of actually betting this race are there any other horses you might want to name check as potential underneath uses or uh another long shot you might you might consider
1: it wouldn't shock me if victory avenue's favored in this race the way they bet this bar and the way <laughs> they bet this horse um what i'm going to do is in in I can't give you a long shot. I I, I think that would be pretty implausible. Born Noble ran so much better than Real Macho in the allowance race. Uh, But Real Macho is a horse that could run on a little bit late. But what I'm just going to try to do is, and again, it's all contingent on who's in and who's not. um, I'm going to try to break up the knock locked exacta, And, you know, Nick's going to try to do that as well the other way because a lot of people are going to one punch that. And I'm a little against Lock. I'm a little against his running style in this particular race. I wouldn't fight anybody that thinks Lock is probably at the end of the day, the best horse. And I, I know he he won um, at Keeman on a short stretch finish line kind of race. But uh, I, I think today, you know, Nick mentioned he missed a little time, not a lot. And he's got a couple of works back to back and all reports are he worked really well. But again, we're talking about starting off point. So, I'm I'm probably if if I had a bet for you I, I'd probably go five three, and then heavier and a little little three five. Um, if Speakeasy comes out, I don't know if they're going to catch Victory Avenue. So that again, it's all contingent on on about uh, you know noon on Friday we're going to re- we're going to know front and center.
0: Yeah, well that will be helpful. I do think the two long shots that Nick mentioned as closers. Um, were were horses and that's real macho and dancing groom the 4 and the 9 were very it would speak easy in the race i think they're very interesting yeah. to get little pieces i think you're right getting getting the three closer thing maybe is 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 hard nick but i'd want a little money i i'd want some money um going in that in that direction but i also might at that point look for other logical horses you know i might have some victory avenue and Dornick small, even though I don't love them, over those the four and the nine, if they're huge prices and if that pace shapes up. But most of the money for me will be running through locked, and I'll be right or I won't be, and we'll figure it out and pick up the pieces from there. We got a lot of content going on on uh, in the money media right now. We are going to have another live stream with uh, Chappy Jeff Chapman and Duke Matisse about Santa Anita. JK and I are going to be previewing the Preakness future wager. Stephen Chris will be around on the audio side of things to give his thoughts on Gotham Day. You can also read Nick's Gotham Day analysis over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. I'll tell you what the easiest way to keep track of all the content, whether it's on the website or on the YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts, In the Money Media is to sign up for a free newsletter InTheMoneyPodcast.com/slash-email that will give you a digest every week of uh, of everything going on. Gentlemen, really appreciate your time. This evening, Brian, we will see you on TV. Nick, we will see you on the radio or behind the microphone. Really appreciate both of your time today. Thank you, boys.
1: Yeah, guys, always good to catch up. Nick, good to see you. Pete, good to talk. And uh, let's do it again
2: soon. Great seeing you, my friend. Yep, best of luck.
0: All right. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos.